Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And welcome to Pattern Portraits, an artwork and podcast by me, Lauren Godfrey. Each episode, I speak with a fellow pattern lover in the creative industries about their relationship to pattern and colour and how surrounding themselves with pattern serves as a kind of armour. Each guest has selected some textiles special to them, which we will discuss using the patterns to delve into their stories. I've also created an accompanying artwork, an abstract pattern portrait of the sitter through their patterns made from jasmineite inlaid with perspex and brass, and a resulting print will be available to purchase. There'll be an exhibition of all the artworks, and the prints are available on my website, laurengodfrey.co.uk. Follow Lauren Godfrey Studio and Pattern Portraits Podcast on Instagram to stay in the loop. Hello and welcome to Pattern Portraits. Today I'm speaking with Dr. Manrut Wongao. Manrut is a stylist, art director and choreographer, as well as a senior lecturer at London College of Fashion. His approach to colour and pattern is truly admirable. You think you've seen pattern on pattern? This is pattern on pattern on pattern to the power of ten. His patterns are playful, fun and warm, oozing generosity and magnetism, inviting conversations and connections through his creativity. Manny has also worked in art therapy with a great understanding of how creativity is linked to our well-being. So I'm thrilled to speak to him today about all things pattern and joy. Welcome, Manny, to Pattern Portraits. Oh, thank you very much, Lauren, for having me. How exciting. It's I'm really so pleased nice. to be here and to meet you. Yeah, thank you. Um, I guess it would be nice to start with finding out what pattern means to you. Yeah, so I think it's a quite difficult question to answer. But for me, what comes to me like pattern is life, or, or you know, I, could, I think about fashion is life, but it sounds cliche. Mm. Um, for me, it's about way of how I express myself, and um, and I'm, I'm sure through the journey that we talk through today, it's going to be about how fashion has become my kind of a, a personal therapy, right. how I find myself, how I kind of express myself to and command to be seen, mm. not only by others, but to see myself and how to make space and be here in the world. Mm. I love that, the idea of making space through pattern and mm. colour and fashion and sort of, it kind of, I don't know, like I have an image of the sort of seas parting, yeah. uh, kind of walking through and it I being could be Moses with multi-coloured raincoat. <laughs> and um, yes, it's about visibility. Yeah, yeah, that, that really kind of chimes with me for sure um and this motto that you have mm -hmm. uh that uh life in full colors can you tell me a bit about that absolutely so um it because my relation you know as, um, my relationship um with colors and also with self and others um it's not always a, a smooth sailing part especially um 
around 2015, it's it it has a difficult. I have went through a difficult time. Okay. So um, therefore, I kind of slowly built and find my voice again okay. to build um, to find who I am. So that's why um, in the, in the same time, I put this motto up and I, and that's something I put in my website and I said, you know, I see life in full color. It gives me uh, joy and vitalize me with immense energy mm. and having work in fashion and corporates where colors were discouraged i decided to depart from this type of environment and be true to myself and also said like, i'm a man of color and i carry vibrant cultural cult heritage so i believe in color and it's my vision to return colors back to fashion and the people mm. so that's something that i put right at the beginning and i start to insert that to all my work and um, also Colors has tints and shades, mm. light and dark. So it's not just about primary colors. It's not like about being happy 24-7 because sure. that's not sustainable. So that's why I talk about light and shades of human emotions. Because mm. I said like my work is never about fashion, but how I connect with, to light, to connect with the light and shades of human emotion. And that's why I put life in full colors and how I see in that way. Mm. And especially something recently because you know I'm from Thailand. So as a person of color being here in the UK, so there are lots of things since Black Lives Matter and there are lots of things discussing around microaggression, talking about visibility and um, inclusion. So I kind of um, try to um, be an activist on this subject. And that's why I bring back about how can I embrace my culture? Mm. And um, and sometimes when people saw my pictures on Instagram or like a holiday pictures, I went home and I see colors from the temple. They said, oh, that makes sense. Right. And um, so that's why I start to embrace that um, different color palette into what I wear and now extend it to nails and etc. Almost like as a kind of statement of um, intent or like a political statement of like presence. Absolutely. I think it's a good time to start to talk about the patterns that yeah, you've brought. Absolutely. <laughs> and I wonder, before we go to that, can I come back to your previous question? Of because course. there's something that comes to my mind I think is crucial. I talk a little bit about the, the journey, but I think maybe there's something that I want to unpack. Mm. And um, when I was um, finishing my PhD here in the UK, yeah. so I had to work um, part-time and become full-time, and I think the influence of clash of prints on prints was during my time at Paul Smith. Okay. So I was um, in the shooting room um, in the Notting Hill store, which is a flagship at that time. Yeah. And I started to absorb like how Paul kind of with the window display or how he put things, even though it's not as elaborate print on print mm. per se, um, looking back. But I started to see some kind of fine prints against a bold print or um, printed ties against printed shirt or something like that. So that's something that I kind of like thinking about how I start to experiment on print on print before Mm. it became my own interpretation of it. And I think my relationship with fashion and what I wear, it started from the beginning um, since I grew up. But I think especially to go towards school and go toward university that what I wear became, it's not like a weapon, but it's a way of expressing my anger Mm. of like, you don't have to like me, but you have to know that I am here. Right. So, and the attitude was slightly different. It was not warm and inclusive, but it was like kind of punk, like kind of like, Uh like F you all, but Mm -hmm. you have to know that I'm here. And of course I want them to like me, but that was something that I used as a vehicle to, Mm. to find my own voice. But back in 2015, um, my life did go to a difficult situation. And um, I remember that during my time at Paul Smith, um, I started to find a way that I dressed. You know, I, um, I inspired by McQueen mm-hmm. um, collection back in the day where he w- um, he designed suit with shorts. So I started to like customize okay. um, vintage suits from uh, Portobello Market and cut in shorts and high socks, etc. So I would attract lots of photographers um, then. Mm. And um, and then when I moved to work in Savvy Row, um, there's a situation where I thought, you know, I can wear something aligned to the brand, but it came to the point where, no, you have to wear this, this, or this. Right. They gave you those rules. Exactly. So right. I started, like, okay, maybe I wear my waistcoat because if I wear a suit, I can't really, you know, measure and pin, mm. etc. So I wear a waistcoat and I wear a bow tie. And then the manager said, actually, you know, artistic director doesn't like the bow tie. He thinks it's old fashioned, blah, 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 where right. I kind of have a different view. I think it's a quirky twist on Sabu Row kind of like aesthetics. Mm. So it's been like, you know, for people, they might think like uniform 
form, no big deal. But for me, it's about you kill me, you yeah. kill a sense of self. You're feeling which squashed. Which I feel really stifled in that environment. And there was something around toxic masculinity that I'm kind of like experiencing in that place. Right. So what I did then was start to, because, you know, my life kind of spiraling down, I got to a difficult time. Mm. So um, I started to dress myself up as a tribute to New York Fashion Week, London Fashion Week, Paris, that during that time. Mm-hmm. This is around, um, I think it's January, February 2015, as a way to find my voice again. Before that, it was because um, someone stopped me on the street and wanted to say hello. Mm. And I realized because he's a street photographer, but this time he didn't ask for my portrait. And I said, why? And I look at myself and I kind of like, who I became, I lost all of who I, I am. So that's when I started to dress myself as a tribute to the fashion mm. kind of the calendar. And um, during that time, everything I drawn to were all skirts of every kind mm-hmm. and kilt, almost like subconsciously built a new silhouette that against the toxic masculinity. Yeah. And I look back, it's like, it's how irony because Savi Rowe is about, you know, talk about bespoke tailoring. It's about individuality. But then actually, that's one template for the whole street. Mm. So I'm not bad-mouthing about that heritage and and tradition. But you think about what if there are many kind of masculinities and how men can portray. Because I love colors, I love print. That doesn't mean I'm much less of a man than who I am. Absolutely. And I'm inspired by um, kinky boots. Ah, And um, there's a slice of my story that I teach my students every year about personal narrative journey, Mm. talking about the diversity and and masculinities in varied ways. The silhouette changed throughout the years. So we can come back as I talk more because it comes from Saviro aesthetics and then go into the next stage of like really inspired by Grayson Perry Mm -hmm. and, you know, want to be kind of art lecturer in in, 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 a good institution. And then now that I am um, at the London Cloud of Fashion, so if you're like, oh, I don't need to be Grace and Perry anymore. Yeah. And um, so that's why that's when I cut my hair short. Uh-huh. And um, and almost like I grow up from the inner child into like a rebellious teenager. So become Clash of Prince. But at the time, you know, during Grace and Perry mode, mm-hmm. I still wear lots of dresses. Yeah. And um, but now I stopped wearing that. Now my silhouette completely changed again. Okay. And because now I bleach my hair blonde, and I've been blonde for about one month. Okay. But the experience of being blonde kind of bring me back to me being sixteen. But that story will come back towards the end. I really am interested in how the di- the silhouette has changed at different moments in order that that might sort of mark mm-hmm. moments in time i think that's really beautiful absolutely almost like you know what we wear or hair makeup as a as a therapy as a medicine totally yes let's talk about yes. the first um print so mm-hmm. the one i selected as the first print if you're happy yeah. is um this pink shirt with um kind of lobsters and tigers and lots of sort of uh beautiful motifs on there yeah, absolutely. So um, this is from the artist, um, illustrator, um, fine artist called Guk from um, Thailand. Okay. And um, her brand is called Couscous the Cuckoo. Oh, I love and, that. Um, so I don't know anything much about the brand or her herself. Because um, I think before pandemic, I got invited to go back to Thailand to teach right. um, MA architecture in the university where I graduated from. And um, so I was really excited because when I started university at 16, it was a difficult time. Mm. I was already out, just come out. Right. And I thought, okay, fine. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a new place. I can be, I can invent who I am. I can, no one would know me. Yeah. So, you know, I can clean, you, you know, wipe the again. slate clean, start yeah. again. And, um, but then because I came out at a time and not many groups provide me f- kind of support and right. stability. Mm. So at that time, it was a lonely period um, during my first year at the right. university. And um, so I just like go right into the middle of the lecture theatre, right in the front and just stay focused for my study. Only until year three that I started to find my tribe. Mm. So um, that's why on that journey back to Thailand, that time um, and go into my univ- went into my university, that was a time when Manny age, let's say like 42, reconnect with Manny age 16. Right. It was quite therapeutic because I said that was a lecture hall that I was in. Yes. 
and and um, you didn't have somebody lecturing that was like you then no. that could, that you could look up to and there are maybe but they are you know it's quite a hard time there yeah. and also like you know lots of um, um, lecturers in closets right so but I was really open out and um, quite a homo kind of like homophobic environment mm. where men had to play rugby right and I said screw that I'm not gonna do these sports nothing against it but for me I don't like attacking sports but then there's a fun story because inspired by Priscilla Queen of the Desert mm. I put on a drag show in that institution at and age 16 I think Priscilla came out when I was about 17 okay in the same kind of period third fourth and fifth year students would have to put on like a show right um to welcome the first year so I said, okay, I'm going to do uh, a drag show. And um, what I did was like Tony Braxton and Break My Heart. I had a bob. I got a picture I can show you. Oh, so I got a real hair to bob. And then I found a hairdresser to do my makeup and do the wet finger wave. And, you know, one off shoulder. I got white feather. But I, wow. I kind of thought Gucci. But, you yeah. know, it's like... Um, um, Thai kind of weekend market. Uh-huh. I got like a four um, snake skin trousers in white, and I kind of like borrow, but actually I steal my sister's platforms. Mm. And um, the most homophobic guy in the, in the campus came to me and was like, "Man, that was one hell of a kick-ass show. Well done." Oh. And then it became the tradition that um, they request me to perform every single year, even when I graduated, and um, and people start to come out in my in my department wow well so done. that's a that's a long um, story you. but about you know the the power performance and clothing and, and self-expression and where did you get the strength to do that what where was that coming from i think i find like you know people ask me about role models i never had role models mm. so i feel like i have to become my own role model but i'm, I'm lucky in a way that even goes you know growing up with painful so, but what kept me alive was like fashion. I was like fashion, um, art, dance, and hope. Mm-hmm. Hope for a better tomorrow. Because I know like sometimes, most of the time, I cry myself to sleep every night, holding tight a pillow to know that that's the only thing that never left me. Mm. And um, that's why, you know, later on when we talk about the inner child work, because one of the work that I did was I wrote a letter to my young self right. and recognized all his pain um, and in and, and, and that regard. And, and I thank him for staying alive because without him staying that strong, so I, it wouldn't be who I am today. Yeah. So I thank him for that. And, um, and I also recognize him like he's the bravest and strongest boy that I've ever known. And um, so the trip back to Thailand, that time is the way that I start to accept myself and process. Um, because in the past, every time I flew back, I always feel super anxious on right. the flight because it would remind me of home. It would remind me of the gay scene in Bangkok. It would remind me of so many heartbreak places mm. and memories. So that was a fun, um, um, only until recently that you know I kind of started to accept that um, this is my home. Mm-hmm. You know, I start to accept part of myself, and um, and and that's thing when things change. So I start to notice and embrace things uh, from Thailand, and um, and that's why I found this shirt. I'm really drawn to these um, illustrations, mm. and it was in the shopping mall where I always go since I was in high school. Right, and um, they have a section kind of um, for independent artists, craft people. Mm. So I'm really drawn to it, and I bought it. So I think this looked like some sort of um, she illustrated on this and also look like kind of a tattoo prints as well yes they do yeah yeah and they have that um, graphic quality to them absolutely so and it kind of oversized yeah. and um, so i started to collect a few items from her so that's a story behind this one about bangkok about local artists and how i you know how people sometimes they go to the museum gallery. I said, like, no, I want to go to local boutique, mm-hmm. and that fulfill me more than go to high art galleries and museums. Mm. So um, that's something for me. So you know, follow your heart. Wear my heart on my sleeve. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. absolutely. And great sleeves. They Thank are. you very much. <laughs> there are some questions that I have that are. I guess about how pattern helps mm. you through hard times, or what demons pattern helps you to chase away. Uh, when I when you ask me that question, it makes me think about light and visibility, mm. because through that difficult time, I feel like I I have to look for light, right? And um, 
or if I can't find light, I have to find garments that are representing that, wearing it, wearing light, and then sooner or later I become the light and radiating the light. Mm. You know, um, I attract a lot of conversation with, um, with straight men, for example. Mm. And maybe because they were looking or they would like to wear something that what I wore, but they might not have the courage to do so. So therefore, like when people see me wearing things like, oh, you make you make my day, you make me happy. Yeah. And then they start to share their stories with me. It was heartwarming. It was heartbreaking. Yeah. And I think that's how my whole career starts, because one of the person that um, one of the people that took my photograph was Dylan Jones, who right. used to be a chief editor of British GQ. Okay. And this is back um, in 2015 as well. So you know, I'm already like um, because of that situation, I decided to quit my job without anything lined up. Right. And um, because I said, you know, uh, for my mental health, I need to get out. Mm. And um, so I took a risk. So, um, and then I said, okay, it seems like, you know, um, he interested in what I wear. So there might be opportunity because I'm so like, I'm just, I got all the time in the world now. So I sent him a message to, um, to meet up and got some ideas for, for his magazine. So we had a meeting in British GQ a month later. Mm-hmm. And then from that meeting, he said that um, he would like to see my portfolio. And he offered me a page in the magazine. Okay. And um, that came out in January uh, 2016. And um, and I spent about three or four months um, putting together a portfolio for him that right. using my stories, my challenge, you know, the you know, dark and chase of human emotions mm. theme um, to create um, fashion editorials representing menswear, colors, prints that tell my story. Mm. And then I sent it back to him. There was no reply. And looking back, I also understand um, it might be because at that time, my style might change the whole aesthetics of the magazine. Right. And it might not be the direction that they want. But what Dylan gave me is a starting point of how can I tell my story through mm. um, fashion artwork and how to you know th- think about styling, think about concept, art direction, how to direct the shoot, working with the casting, models, dancers. And um, it come back to the narratives and um and that's how i start mm. um but i just still want to honor that um about without being noticed by dylan um could it be where i am today yeah and this thing that you said about light it was almost like you'd turned on you'd mm. left your job you were you 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 know you were at a loose end to a, to a certain extent or a kind of journey of discovery yeah. but you turned on this light to send out a signal to the Absolutely. world and dylan saw that and responded and that's really that's really special I feel like it's always the most exciting things come out of those serendipitous moments where you stumble across somebody in an airport or kind of where you actually meet someone and I know that the industry is so hard the fashion industry as well as the art industry is like to get a foot in it's not you know if you'd sent an email to dylan out of the blue it probably would have gotten lost but to meet in person and for him to see your light and yeah. to kind of uh respond to it i guess is it's the way it works absolutely <laughs> and i think also you know when you talk about celebrity because you know people said you have to be in the right place at the right time and i said like yes maybe but i feel like the doors will always be there for people who are ready mm. and also if there's no doors make our own door Right. So, and also, you're like, I can walk past Dylan hundreds of times. If I haven't got an opportunity to find myself and find my voice, he wouldn't notice me. Yeah. So I think it comes back to let's reach in, find who we are. And that's why, you know, I think that's one of the questions they're talking about. Is it a weapon or is it like, you know, is it, are you chasing mm. a demon? So mm. I feel like this is not an armor because some people might kind of judge me. It's like, oh, you're a fashion queen. And then I like kind of that sense. But so like, no, this is the radiation of what I have inside. The truth. Yes. And then I'm just expressing my authentic self. And, um, and that's slightly different from wearing clothes and an armor to change yes. or facade ourself from something else. Yeah. It's about authentic self and that is um, contagious and attractive. Totally. I love that. Contagious. Contagious authenticity. Yes. <laughs> it's really nice. Um, I would like to ask about how um, the way you dress, you kind of touched on it with this GQ 
uh, Paige, how does the way you dress interact with how you work as a stylist and mm-hmm. the things that you, uh, as a creative director? Absolutely. So it's absolutely linked. And, you know, in, in that um, creative work, in the way that people would approach me because of colours and playfulness. Mm. And especially I remember someone contacting me out of the blue and, um, and it's a national campaign for Oxfam, Dressed by the Kids campaign. Okay. And um, that's one of the examples where the, um, they can feel the vibration, the, the, the um, what's the word, the authenticity, the playfulness the the in the child. Mm-hmm. That's why they're drawn to that. Mm. And um, so sometimes some projects um, I've been asked to do black and white work or graphics work. And um, I still have to find an angle mm. um, to, to still stay true to who I am, but also to respect the clients. Yeah. And um, and sometimes also it's about stay true to our lanes and our boundaries. Sometimes I said this is not my work at all. Um, um, I can recommend someone else. You don't have sure. to come to me. Yeah, yeah. It's really important to know when uh, when the role is yours and when it's not. Absolutely. Um, and yeah. I think you know with the because um, with what's going on in the fashion, there were the moment when there lots of colors explosion and prints. And lots of people start to jump into clash of prints and use of um, bold colors, but I always say like no one can do prints and clash of colors like I do. Yeah, <laughs> it's not just about a form; it have a substance, the meanings behind it. Yeah, definitely, and I think that comes across. Perhaps we could talk about the next fabric. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. This. Um, Hand-drawn Absolutely. clown yes. piece. So um, this is Ralph Lemon coat, and um, it was on sales. And, you know, and um, I I like the shape of it, but because it's plain purple, it's like I'm going to buy it, but I have to commission or customize it in some way. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about contacting my friend Catherine Williams, and um, so I commissioned her to 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 paint on okay. top of Ralph Lemon's jacket. Amazing! And what a what uh, a brave a brave uh, person to do that. <laughs> I know, right? Because it's yeah. like qu- and be quite daunting, um, in a way. Like you know, it, it's not a cheap coat, yeah. And um, and it, but we we have um, a few conversation about she sketches on things mm-hmm. and like went on the right direction. I said yes, and I wore. I think I wore um in the first day induction day, for our um this academic years um year one students. And um, it feel like Joseph and Technicolor dream coat or raincoat. Yes, dream coat. Dream coat. Yes, yeah. that's my my Technicolor dream coat. Yes, yeah. Um, t- for the listeners, um, let's describe it slightly. So, so as you said, it was a purple kind of sleeveless, mm-hmm. uh, probably calf length, yeah. um, uh, kind of almost like an extended waistcoat. Yeah, it's sort of got that that vibe. It's tailored, but sort of in a loose kind of way and then um it's got lots of lots of stitching on there is that mm-hmm. part of the illustration that That's your right. friend did yeah um and then painted kind of panels patchworked on there um with kind of clowny faces and sort of basquiat mm. quite kind of jolly colors yes. um yeah chi- they're quite childlike actually mm-hmm. uh and also the artist, um, her name is Catherine Williams. Okay. So um, she's from Wales. So I think there's some influence of um, some of the symbols nice. from um, her region into that drawing. Amazing. It's really, it feels really special. And I love the idea of it being your kind of Technicolor dream coat um, and what that could kind of represent. I like the idea that you wore it for this first day of teaching. Mm-hmm. In some way, did that feel like it was empowering you or stating a kind of, I guess that first moment when the students see you is the first impression that you can kind of show them who you are and what, what they might get. Absolutely. From. And I think, you know, that's it's still the same time of like, you know, kind of being inspired by Grace and Perry in a way that, well, they're coming to study fashion, they come to study art. Yeah. So if I don't think outside the box and embracing who I am or work with artists that kind of align with my aesthetics, how would I inspire students to think outside the box and sure. find their voice and find their own aesthetics? And I think that's very important. And I you know like some places they have a uniform um, kind of format again, not not current one I'm working with the previous. And um, I said like, 
So yeah, so it's about how can we show the rope, don't show the path. Yeah. And um, teaching by doing. So then students feel safe yeah. and also to see like, oh, the parameters that can they work with. And I think um, what I teach then, you know, start to really morph into subject of personal identity, mm-hmm. talking about how to use the language of fashion and fashion media to communicate, think about community building mm. beyond the commerciality. There's nothing wrong with commerciality because there's some um, project I supervise on that. But really thinking about all aspects beyond the fashion or yeah. what fashion language can communicate and reach. And the importance of building community whilst at university as well, because I think that's such a humongous part of what we do it for, yeah. uh, is being in an environment amongst other people who are like-minded and building a, a kind of critical mass or a group of people who will go on to do things potentially collaboratively. Uh, and it sort of sets that up um, Absolutely. from that starting point. What course is it that you teach on? So I'm teaching BA Fashion Styling and Production at London College of Fashion okay. at the moment amazing it must be quite an incredible uh thing to be part of and kind of watch the incubus of some amazing things absolutely and we're lucky in a way that you know um the students that we got are incredible and they're the joy that keep me uh, the, the focus of my my my, my teaching career mm. and um and to see that journey education can become business nowadays for lots of places and um and sometimes you know people ask like um how many percent do you think your student will succeed? Yeah. And I said, I cannot answer that. But, you know, that's why what I teach is about... Some people call it soft skills. I don't think it's soft skills at all. It's just about I teach them to find who they are, find their voice, develop a sense of self, self-awareness, self-acceptance, mm. and using that through art. Yeah. And whichever career they go into, whichever discipline or nuance within the fashion, they can use this and adapt. And I don't think that's a soft skill. That is a hard skill. Definitely. Um, it was our friend, our mutual friend Lillian, who introduced me to you. And uh, when Lillian told me about you, she said that the um, the students frequently rate you as like the most incredible teacher. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> you win lots of awards for being an amazing uh, influence on them. So you must be doing something right. I hope so. <laughs> uh, I wanted to ask you about if you've ever designed patterns yourself. Absolutely, because lots of people ask me that, or like, oh, you should have your own label, etc. And I think everything comes back to my first degree, mm. because I have a teacher who said to me that, Manny, you're not good at design, you're good at theory. Okay. And that, you know, I was like 18. And since then, I feel like that has been dampened my self-esteem. So that's why I'm too scared to do any design work. So that's why it became like a commission, um, other people to do things for me. And I kind of like overseeing as almost like artistic director, creative director. Mm. And um, but then I kind of start to argue that actually, even though I didn't draw any of this or some of this, but. To put it together, that's another art. Yeah. That's another skills and craft. Definitely. What we say to our students is absolutely crucial. It can make or break someone yeah. in that sentence yeah. for decades. Yeah, it's amazing how you carry those things. And you're so impressionable at that point in time. Yeah, And I think there's a lot of things around compassionate pedagogies and develop healing pedagogies mm. as well, which is like, you know, I think trauma-informed learning has become a buzzword right now right. that people start to jump onto, but like maybe not having a background knowledge to really understand what it is about. So that's why my work within the community and my studies within the um, um, postgraduate certificate that leads into a um, master's degree in integrative art therapy will yeah. come into this play and um, to really get qualification as well as knowledge sure. to how can we develop this holistic approach to arts education. Is that something you're doing at the moment? Uh, yes, that's right. And how long will it take? So the course itself, a postgraduate certificate is two years okay. and then follow into three years master part-time. How has the art therapy course that you're doing uh, sort of change the way you teach absolutely because i think you know that's the reason why our students choose fashion performance um art mm. um, at the university so and for lots of people when i start to ask them questions they're talking about um escapism mm. um, some people come here to forget to heal and you know this is they come up again and again because like for me that's the reason why i choose fashion and dance that's my background because yes. that's my escapism that's my own therapy and therapeutic journey so that's why i think it's important to not just only teach the skills the technique 
for a particular discipline, but really kind of like open up to, to possibilities of bring individuality, bring personal stories, bring all, and, you know, also ethnographic approach to mm. arts education as a way to, to develop their skills for their future employability. This is transferable skills. Yes. So, you know, and it's vital. Mm. So whichever platform, discipline or nuance within fashion that our students want to go into, by having self-awareness, self-acceptance, self-realization, mm. they can flourish in whatever they do. Yeah. Yeah, that's really nice. Um, let's speak about the next fabric, mm-hmm. um, the Black Panther T-shirt. Yes. Tell me about that. So... I love superheroes, and um, I I love X Men, mm-hmm. and I see queer people, see artists as mutants, in the way that we're born with special gifts and right. uniqueness, and it's not just about I'm the best of my league, but think about how can I bring in my uniqueness, individuality, uh, my special power, mm. to to combine with others and do good things for the world. So that's why I also teach my um, my students, and there always be slides on X Men, mm-hmm. and um, and I think especially one on X Men Apocalypse. Okay. And what I learned from that is that um, you know uh, Professor X, it, he said like you know he set up school for gifted youngsters, right? Yeah. So for all the for all these outsiders, the misfit, right, to come into this school and nurture, and teach and train them. Yeah. And I think he says something around in that character that is not about how to learn to control power, but to learn how to celebrate that power. Okay. And I really love that because it's not about how to control my creativity. It's not about learn to how to control my queerness, mm. but to celebrate that mm-hmm. motherfucker. Okay, we could cut it up. But to celebrate <laughs> we can that. Keep the in. <laughs> to celebrate that. Yeah, and I think I got this T-shirt before Black Panther film come out. Mm-hmm. From this, you can see that uh, her um, hand-sewn sequence embellished onto all over the front. Did you hand sew? No, I no, got this from the um, weekend market in Bangkok, and I I really love it. But who I associate with is Professor X. Okay. Okay. Maybe because I am a senior lecturer, so you know there's uh-huh. something around <laughs> education, and it makes me think about art therapy as well, because it's about working with the mind and lock the mind, mm-hmm. and also celebrating and uh, and about recognizing their potential, and because I also run recovery group um, online every Thursday night, and this person from the recovery group say, if we want to inspire people. It's not about my superpower. It's about showing them theirs. Mm. And I really love it. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I said, like, it's, you know, it's, sometimes I have, and when people ask me, what is my superpower? That's why I said light. Right. Ab- ability to, to, to radiate light, be light and, um, and radiate light mm. or and give light to other people. And illuminate other people. Yes. Yeah. I guess we kind of touch on it a little bit, but um, I was thinking about quite a lot of your patterns have mm-hmm. characters in or cartoons. And I was wondering about um, these sorts of characters on your clothing as sort of conduits to um, ways of feeling or projecting a certain power mm. outwards from uh, by embodying these characters that, yeah. that adorn your clothes. Can you talk about sure, that? Sure, absolutely. I think when you talk about that, it makes me think about come back to the inner child work. Yeah. And um, I'm also part of Survivors UK. Okay. And through that process, um, I have been informed about one book called Rescuing the Inner Child by Penny Park. The title itself inspired me to, to write a letter to my young self. Mm. So I kind of um, imagine, imagining uh, little Manny sat, um, sat in front of me and I wrote a letter to him to uh, acknowledge his strength, mm. also acknowledge his pain, what he has to go through. Mm. And then at some point, um, little Manny would wrote a letter back to me. I used a lot of analogy about North Star and I told my little little Manny, I said like, you know, when, um, when you feel lost, just look up. Um, I will be your North Star and my light will always shine on you. Mm. So the analogy of light is always Back there. To the light, yeah. And um, so that's why in that inner child work, um, my clothing from kilts and skirts from you know anti savvy row change into toys, plastics. Right. You know, I put like 
uh, mini figure of um, Simpsons on the beak of my um, new era hat. Yes. Before Balenciaga did the whole Simpson thing on T-shirt. Uh huh. <laughs> so. Um, and I noticed in one of your images there was Felix the cat on your sh- on your jelly yes, shoes. I'm still wearing that. Yeah. And uh, but and yeah, so no, that was like uh, maybe two or three years period that everything I was drawn to was like cartoon drawing animation um such as arare so there are lots of manga influences okay. when i grow up so i'm kind of embracing that as a way to to nurture little manny yeah there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Could you tell me about your next fabric? Yeah. Nice to talk about the uh, sort of plisse, pleats, please, yeah. graphic trousers. Everyone keeps saying um, um, Sonia Delaney about this uh, one. Ah, yeah. Like, yeah, probably. Like, you know, it's like a geometric shape. Yeah. And it's pleats, please. Yeah. They've got that lovely, bouncy pleats, please vibe. Tell me about the pleats, please. Absolutely. Please so, um,. Because I'm drawn to prints, and um, and I visit the shops a few times, so I got I got to know um, people who work there, and um, I think when I st- um, when I start collecting them, they haven't done much prints. Mm. So when they do prints, then I go and collect them. I totally Because in the past, agree it's just like you. solid, vibrant color. Yeah. So that's why when there's something that I could afford or go into the sales, then I kind of collect, and um, this is one of them. When I was working with Paul Smith and then around Savvy Row, I got a lot of like you know lovely kind of wool, tartan trousers, kilts, and moth love them. Oh, and moth don't eat cheap clothes. They're kind of like new wool Yoti Yamamoto. They eat it to like yeah. rotten. So one of the technique, like okay, let's go to polyester. Yes, I don't know how sustainable is <laughs> that, but people might think. But uh, it doesn't get eaten by moths. It which doesn't is get eaten by moths. It doesn't need dry cleaning. I can put into hand wash machine wash, yeah. hang dry, and I don't need to iron. And yeah. it never lose the 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 bounciness. Yes. Of it. And um, and that's why you know I think with your question it it moves well. And the story about this is that I bought the trousers first. And then for the next sales season, I went in and the matching kind of like um, a, a sleeveless coat mm. were there. So I got the matching pair from the different sales seasons. Oh, that's nice. They were <laughs> reunited together yeah. on your body. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this thing you said about movement, I'm really mm-hmm. interested to hear about your um, your kind of other life, yeah. uh, which is as, as a dancer, as a choreographer. And, and tell me about dancing. Certainly. So um, I didn't start until late in terms of dance performance, but I remember I always love it. I love mm. like, you know, performing in school production, etc. And then I discovered dance um, in my university because I got a really cool designed um, um, teacher and she used to own a gym. Mm. And she also trained um, beauty pageants you know, to the walk. She kind of like tall, study in America. She's really cool. And, um, Was that here in London? In Bangkok. In Bangkok. Yes. Okay. Her, her name is Ajanung. So um, in her gym, there's um, aerobic class. And oh my God, it's kick ass. It's so <laughs> much fun. So I remember like kind of wearing my hot pants and vest and like platform shoes, but do like kind of high impact aerobics or, or steps. 
And then I moved to another kind of like gay gym in Bangkok. And then I got another aerobic teacher. And um, he also teaches jazz dance on Sunday. I really enjoyed it. And then when I graduated, I said, like, you know, I'm going uh, to move to London. Where could I keep dancing? Mm. So he said, go to Pineapple Dance Studio. Yes. This is before Louis Spence, like, became okay, on TV yeah. and coming up. Yeah. He was just, like, in the reception, looked very handsome. I was like, well, I remember him. So I also came to um, study. So I did, I applied for MA at Central St. Martins, being interviewed by the Louis Wilson. Mm. And then she said, my portfolio is, is not, not right or not enough. So I kind of doing um, a short course, almost like a foundation right. um, at Central St. Martins during the day to prepare my portfolio okay. and thinking about you know, the kind of the kind of the Western or London way of producing um, um, design collection. Right. And in the evening, I would go to Pineapple Dance Studio um to to do some dancing mm. and then i was encouraged by one of the jazz dance teacher there her name is Sheila, and um she encouraged me to audition for full-time training okay. i was like oh i don't know anything about dance performance i know about design and what good schools to do she said if you like jazz dance apply for london studio center mm. so i went and i got accepted and at that time billy elliott's film came out mm. and it was one of my most favorite films ever. Yeah. And I'm still using Billy Elliot as one of the slides to talk to my to teach my students about mm. that. And because, you know, he follow all the arts and, you know, he's kind of like ignoring all the masculine kind of like uh, masculine identity. Mm. And um, he just follow his passion. So and um, I managed to convince uh, my parents to support me um, to do a second degree on that because... Okay. The doors um, at Central Samaritan kind of closed on me. They said, like, uh, would you like to consider fashion prints? At that time, talk about prints. And they're mm. like, looking back, it makes sense. But that time, I said, I got my textile degree already. I don't yeah. want to make another one. So that's why I went to do dance performance. And it was really hard work mm. in the way, but also really exciting course because I'm new to the performance art. And then the, the college, um, we have to do ballet, contemporary, jazz, musical theater, mm. commercial, uh, acting, tap, everything. And to compete with kids who've been dancing since six years old. Yeah. To catch up. Sometimes I have to do that class twice because the first time I couldn't pick up the choreography. So it's quite disheartening. You know? So to be part of the school production, we have to audition right. against my peers and people on a year above. Competitive. Absolutely. And, um, but it give, really gives me the immunity to how cutthroat and keto market it is. Mm. So the first piece that I got in was Contemporary Dance by someone who used to work for Matthew Bond and Lee Anderson. And in that piece, we all wearing sh white shirts with numbers and hot pants and wearing wigs. So I think maybe my campness and how I play with gestures kind of like got me into that. And it really opened my eye to con world of contemporary, contemporary dance mm. because I love jazz. I love commercial work. But it's been someone teach me the steps. But contemporary dance is like I help in the pro creative process of making yeah. the piece. So I think that's why it changed my perspective mm. and I kind of select the major in contemporary dance. Okay. So um, at that time, um, Transition Dance Company at Laban, um, Trinity right. Laban, they're looking for male dancers to join the MA performance. And I got in. And it's a wonderful experience. There was like international tour. Mm. And um, that's why, because of the visa as well, so I couldn't have a break. So I have to do one study after okay. another. And um, I came from family of PhDs. So my dad got PhD, mom got PhD, brother had PhD, sister got PhD. I was the last one that I didn't get one. So that's why I invent this subject of fashion and performance because it's both of my backgrounds. Yeah. And um, and I was struggling to find a supervisor. I went to every single university in London. And um, it's either they can support dance, not fashion, or they could support fashion, but not dance. Right. And um, through referrals, um, I found someone at University of Surrey. And um, her name is Cheryl Dot. She's the one that took my project on board. Mm. And the uniqueness of the project lead to, you know, next top model as my research. Yes. So in a way that I apply um, f uh, movements and dance theories onto how fabrics perform mm. 
and also when the body, the moving body or the pose of the models or how dancers are wearing these garments, how it activates the fashion. So I, that's how, that's, that's the kudos mm. of my thesis and everything under the umbrella of political economy of high fashion because it's about displaying, selling, advertising. How fascinating. And of course, the uh, the bounce of the pleats, please, is exactly, exactly. that. Like, it's it's got this kind of pert juiciness that Absolutely. makes it more appealing. <laughs> yeah. um, I kind of have so many questions and also um, my mind's blown by <laughs> this sort of perfection of this PhD mm-hmm. thesis. I guess thinking about the way that bodies perform and kind of thinking about your patterns that you're wearing as a kind of cast Mm -hmm. of characters coming together and them all having a role to play, Mm. um, but kind of sitting alongside each other and collaborating to make this whole outfit. And like when that cast member gets paired with another cast member and how they interact and what the kind of dynamic and play is between them, I think there's something kind Mm. of interesting in that. It also make me think about Ray Kawakubo, which is like, um, you know, when he, she worked with um, Merce Cunningham. Chrissy mm. was like, you know, lots of um, crossover when fashion designers design garments for dance performance. Yes. And I think for her design, it was like solid colours or grids. Because okay. in my analysis, that's the way that, you know, with the geometry, would showcase the lumps and bumps and distortion of those lines. Right, yeah. So there's still yeah. a logic behind all of these designs. Mm. Yeah, I guess um, the beauty of a body having having lumps and bumps and each body that it goes on, it sort of interacts with differently. And that's what I really love about pattern as well, um, especially through kind of drawing them, is that the sort of form of the pattern gets undulating and squashed and twisted so that it becomes this whole other new pattern. Uh, It's something else. And when you talk about that, it makes me think about, um, I used to go a lot to uh, a class called Five Rhythm. Mm. And five yeah. rhythm, for those who might not know, is like a dance meditation. Yeah. And uh, I think developed by Gabriel Roth in the 70s in the US, I think. Okay. And um, um, five rhythm has a distinct wave. It starts from flow and uh, from flow to staccato and from staccato to chaos. Mm-hmm. From the chaos go to lyrical and then come down to stillness. That's a wave. There was once I went to a five rhythm class and I wore my plead please dress and it was incredible because how the fabric expand and move with mm. me or how i kind of move with fabrics in that five rhythm class it was mesmerizing oh mm. my god yes it's not might not be a, a pattern that moving per se but about how the fabric kind of expand or you know become extension of the body yeah yeah and the and how empowering it feels to have something that allows you mm. that stretch and movement could you tell me about the um the fabric that is a uh, shirt i think so it's a it's a collaboration between brand lacy off and um illustrator laura callahan yes and there's not much story behind it apart from, like, you know, there's a question they talk about where do I source or finding these yes. clothes? So, because some people are like, ooh, shout out free Ralph Simon, please, mm-hmm. please. But can be high street brand, yeah. can be vintage market, could be customized stuff. Yeah. Um, and also, it's if everywhere. I could afford, I would um, support recent graduates or graduate um, or students mm. or, um, you know, start up. And also, um, lately I've got like certain aesthetics, a lot of illustrations. Yeah, I they think do really they, nice collaborations. Um, and the reason why I bought that shirt was because I'm drawn to the dress from the same collection. Okay. But the dress got frill, neckline, yeah. and sleeves. So it quite in and out. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like, I love the dress, but I need to change the silhouette. Right. So I just went to grab the shirt and tried it on. And I told the guy in the shop like, this is how I would wear it. Mm-hmm. So I left the shop with the shirt and the dress of the same collection. Okay, okay. So you have both, and I have both. do you wear them at once? 
like one on top of the other? Or? Yes. Okay. And that's you know, there really was one nice. garment that uh, we didn't touch upon, which yeah. is the um the skirt the with the skirt. Um, the flower yes. skirt, and it's uh, it was a a mini collaboration with Unique Low. Yes. And it was um, but the design of that wrapped skirt was so voluminous, and was like, oh my god, you know, like when I wear a skirt, the way I walk will be different. Yes. I wore that for there was an event at Royal Albert Hall on Pride, mm. and they invite all the LGBTQ singers performers to perform, and we were dancing. I love Callum Scott. Mm. He was there. I was singing along every song, and I wore that skirt. Uh-huh. And um, that's why the picture I sent got the backdrop of the Pride ah, event yes. there. Okay. And um, on that day, um, my landlord, who is a famous architect, wa- um, took a picture of me. Mm. And then um, he also um, in the same event as Grayson Perry. Right. So he showed picture of me in that skirt to Grayson. Mm-hmm. And Grayson used his phone, used my landlord's phone to send a message to me. Ah. And um, he said, Manny, um, you know, I am with your landlord. We are at this event. Um, he also said, like, I hear you are a fan. I thank you and hope to meet you one day. Ex Grayson. Ah. So at that point, it's like, okay, I don't need to become Grace and Perry anymore. So um, you've been the baton has been handed over. <laughs> and also, I have found my voice and yeah. how I, you know, embrace my queerness in a different, um, not like a different, in, in the same nuance yeah. um, of how he portray himself and his character Claire. So mm. I have my my way of um, expressing myself and integrating myself with my queerness as my next chapter. Wonderful. Well, I'm looking forward to reading the book. <laughs> if yeah, there's yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> what are you working on at the moment? Um, the work that I'm going through now, it moves on from the inner child work a little bit to um, the, the impact of colonialism, let's say. Right. Talk, like go back to race. Because... There's something that clothing and print can give me that power. I think I became racialized in this country. Right. And um, the history of Thailand came back to my mind. It was a time where King Rama V has to make an ally with Russia at that time to take a portrait together with Russia in a newspaper. Right. And also have to give part of our lands to different countries who occupied our neighbors. Right to keep to maintain our freedom and thing in itself that traumatized yeah so we might be able to maintain the liberty the freedom but we lost part of ourselves Mm. to the western countries Mm. imagine if we lose arms and legs to keep the body alive yeah that extremely excruciating yeah so that's why i make me question about as a person of color in the creative field in the education industry here how much do I have to say yes? How much do I have to tolerate, to please, to be able to get opportunity to progress? Mm. And that really come to me. And that's why the work that we're working on now is about how can I take space? Right. To come back to be seen again, you know, to yeah. come back to like me and my father, the complex relationship that we have, because I want my dad to choose me, but he didn't. So think about how I want, you know, visibility. How can I make space? Mm. How I can I communicate and navigate as Manny? I'm 44 years old now, rather than Manny kind of being eight or nine year old in these big worlds yeah. and be frightened and threatened by other people. This come to the change of the silhouette and talk to my blonde yes. hair. So I felt ill and I had to take a few days off work and it became small infection and I kind of, you know, lie in bed feeling sorry for myself, having mm. fever. And when I got the energy, I feel like, I don't know, some people might call midlife crisis. Um, I feel like I need a change of energy. Right. I need to reclaim certain things. I need a big change. I said, like, okay, I'm going to cut it short. And I told my barber that I kind of, um, I've, I've been coming to him for the last six years. I said, like, keep the fringe, you know, come to your hairlines because mm-hmm. I want that. And then I want maybe skin fade, but the length, let's discuss. Yeah. So, and I kind of, oh, should I go to your length or his colleague's length? But because he misunderstood me, he thought I want his colleague's haircut. Right. So he grabbed his clipper and just like, yeah. like what? <laughs> um, But as soon as he cut his hair, I felt 10 years younger. Uh-huh. I said, like, oh, I look hot. Mm. And then as um, I got home, I was like, I need more change. So as I decided to like, 
okay, I'm going to bleach my hair. Mm -hmm. And um, so I went and oh my God, I I felt uber confident. Mm. And also it inspired me because um, in 40s, you know, I haven't been to gym as much and I'm not ripped like my 20s and 30s anymore. So I'm really like wear baggy clothes to hide uh-huh. my body because okay. I'm conscious about it. And I think to myself, like, you know, I'm not overweight. And why am I giving up mm. on like showcasing my body already? Yeah. It's going to be even harder to keep the weight down. So and with that new hair. I kind of everything I drawn to is like mesh long sleeve fitted mm-hmm. silhouette like with more flare trousers yeah. than what I wore today. So I started like collecting more um, printed mesh mm. or long sleeve t-shirts, etc. And um, and I know like and you're talking about. I think there will be question on the yeah. Let's the speak knitted, about it let's, now. Yeah. yeah, the crochet uh, top because what I really like about this is that it's got that kind of tease sheer uh sort of peekaboo thing going on absolutely so um this piece the crochet piece is from child jeffrey yeah and i got it of course in the sales um at dover street market nice and um because when i try on it's like yes because it's quite fitted and i got this about a year ago now and I remember I put this um, to the photo to, for the, for you to select because yeah. this was the outfit that I wore. This was a top that I wore on Pride uh-huh. last year. And with the Moschino yes, shorts. Yes, with the gold Moschino shorts. And there was like a Vivian Westwood kind of like oversized shirt dress mm-hmm. and my military beret, beret yeah. with the smiley face pin that I put it on. With these boots I got on today, which is Dr. Martin, with the painted cartoons Did you on paint it. them yourself? No, it, com- they came, it come they like came, this. Yeah. So um, that's why I think, you know, and, and now that my silhouette gone back to mesh, so mm. I kind of layer it with this. Nice. And because, you know, Charles Jeffrey, you have to, like, embrace the queerness, Absolutely, right? yeah. And uh, with my new platinum blonde hair, because, like, it took me back to when I was 16, when I bleached my hair the first time, because I got a place in my design school, right? So I said, yes, reinventing Manny, just like Madonna. <laughs> and um, so I high, I cut my hair to skinhead with this um, kind of long fringe. Right. There was a really um, kind of really popular model actor in Thailand at that time. So, but then highlight my fringe to different shade of blonde. Cool. And um, it took me like three hours to it get it right. Like it. And um <laughs> and then when I got home, my dad said, what do you do? And he said that you haven't done the interview yet. You need to dye it back to black. And I I was furious, I was angry, I was hurt because you know I'm embracing my my individuality here and my queerness. Yeah. And um, I told her, like, no big deal because, you know, I got a place in the university. The the interview was just too reassuring, just like almost like an induction. Also, it's a design course. So it's exactly. not like it's like, Exactly. It's know, not like kind of science, business, law, <laughs> firm. Yeah. So I was gutted. So I had to dye it back to black. Mm. And, the, and I never bleached my hair since. Right. So by having this bleach hair again, it brought me back to 16-year-old me. Mm. And when I wrote the letter to my young self, I stopped at the age of 16 because that is the age where I start dating and slowly go out to the gay scene. Right. So I want to recognize Manny as a child first. Mm -hmm. So it feels like what I spontaneously kind of dye my hair and change my silhouette connect with what I left off. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I like thinking about this analogy of the light and imagining Mm -hmm. the bleaching of your hair is almost Ah. like the dimmer switch on your light has been turned up like you've sort of when you were speaking about that I could see there was more light Mm. emanating and I could see the way that you felt empowered to feel more attractive I saw the compliments from people around Mm. me because for for us we if I have lighter color hair, it will make my skin darker. Right. And growing up, like, ooh, you know, you should be light. You know, mm. their favorite, like, you know, South Asia or South Asia, be like, you have to be light skin. Light skin would be treated better or get more opportunity. And now when people around me, like, ooh, I'm really glowing. I wrote down that 
the the old Coco Chanel crate yeah. of before you leave the house, look in the mirror and take at least thing, one thing off. Um, I wondered about your take on that and uh, wondering about kind of pushing against it. Do you add an extra thing? What's the kind of mm. the vibe? Absolutely. The, the first instinct when you when I read that, I <clears throat> I put another quote. Mm, from, tell me. Yes, I use Iris Apple quote, and she said. I said dress to please yourself. Listen to your inner muse and take a chance. Wear something that say, here I am today. Nice. So I kind of want to respond to your Coco Chanel quote with Iris Apfel quote. Yeah. And of course, you know, I, I saw her documentaries, understand um, her legacy and how she wants to be remembered and mm. the way that um, she tell her story, uh, which I honor that and appreciate that. And also when you talk about Coco Chanel, it sort of make me think about you know one thing you want to take Say that again about Coco yeah, Chanel quote. It's, it's um, it's not one I believe in at all. It's like the opposite mm-hmm. of what I believe. But it's before you leave the house, look in the mirror and take at least one thing off. The idea being like you don't yeah. want to be overdressed or yeah. sort of have too many accessories on. Yeah. So I got a, a comment like, if one thing I would take or advise people or recommend suggest people to take off is your shame. Yes. And also leave your self criticism back in the core back yeah. in the closet <laughs> i love that yes take off your shame <laughs> yeah. um is there a pattern that got away is there something that you covet uh that you're desperate to add to the collection or something you regret leaving behind um when you ask me that question i make me think of someone called edda Mm. I think her name is Edda Gimes. I'm not sure how I pronounce it, if I could pronounce it correctly. Um, she's really big now. I remember I went into my campus before I started this role. And I, I helped my friend style um, his graduate collection right. for the shoot. And Edda was also in the same group. Okay. And I saw her collection. I was like, oh my God, you know, this is something incredible. And she would go far. And she she mm. she has. It's not something that got away yet, but yes. it would be something it's that on the list. I would like to, you know, if I could afford to commission or wear something of her creation. Yeah. And my final question is, which pattern would you save from a house fire? Which is the ultimate pattern? I would run and grab my entire rail with my, <laughs> you know, adrenaline and save everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good, good. Get yeah. those muscles ready for <laughs> for grabbing it all. Exactly. Thank you so much, Manny. It's been wonderful to speak to you. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome. You've been listening to Pattern Portraits with me, Lauren Godfrey. Follow us on Instagram at Pattern Portraits Podcast. The limited edition print accompanying this episode is available to buy now on laurengodfrey.co.uk. Join us next week for another chat about pattern. you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.